This is Generation Justice, a multiracial project that trains youth to harness the power of community through media, narrative, and critical consciousness. I'm Barbara Ramirez. We want to remind you that this program broadcasts from the rightful lands of the Tiwa people. This Tuesday, March 8th, is International Women's Day, a global day celebrating the social, economic, cultural, and political achievements of women. The day also marks a call to action for accelerating gender parity. International Women's Day is one of the most important days of the year to celebrate women's achievements. This evening, we bring you a DJ interview with Albuquerque poet laureate emeritus Jessica Helen Lopez, conducted by 15-year-old DJ member Diana Ramirez. Our interviewer, Diana Ramirez, has also put together a commentary on International Women's Day and identity to share with you. And we have important COVID-19 information to keep our community safe. Our first song of the program is Yo Soy Diosa by the Argentinian singer Loli Cosmica. Jessica Helen Lopez is the City of Albuquerque Poet Laureate Emeritus 2014-2016, a New Mexico Humanities Council Chautauqua Scholar and author of five collections of poetry. Her most recent collection is The Blood Poems, published by UNM Press. Jessica is also the recipient of the John Trudell Poetry Feature Artist, a two-time Albuquerque Women of the World Poetry Slam champion and National Poetry Slam Group Peace champion. Now, 15-year-old Diana Ramirez speaks with the great Jessica Helen Lopez. I'm Diana Ramirez with Generation Justice, and I'm speaking with the Albuquerque Poet Laureate, Emeritus 2014 through 2016, Jessica Helen Lopez, welcome to Generation Justice. Hola, Gianna. Thank you so much for having me. Hola, Generation Justice, gente. I'm so glad to be here and, and I'm looking forward to our plática. Yes, we're so glad to have you here. So to begin, would you like to tell us more about yourself? Hey, yeah, for sure. Uh, so soy Chicana, and I spell that with an X like the Mexica do. By way of Califas, I was born in Paramount, California, and I lived there until I was about 12 or 13, and then moved with my family to the borderlands of very southern New Mexico, Nuevo Mexico, in Deming, along the border of uh, Columbus City and uh, Palomas, Mexico. And that experience really informed, of course, the person that I am, the woman that I am, but also the writer that I am, coming from, you know, this mature metropolis, living in the projects, being near, let's say, the beach, and then going to this desert borderlands, landlocked uh, topography. However, with such beautiful and ro robust cultura uh, being there in the borderlands. And then now I've been in Albuquerque for about 20 years, uh, going on 21 years. Um, I'm an educator. 
Uh, I teach poetry for the uh, Institute of American Indian Arts at the Native American Community Academy. It's a dual enrollment class. So students who take my poetry class receive collegiate credit. And I also adjunct uh, with UNM Chicana and Chicano Studies Department. But I work with the NACA Inspired Schools Network, which is a network of indigenous schools uh, recently through managing their communications and storytelling. But now I'll get to work directly with students and in, in access assessing uh, choice and education and after school programming. So that's a little bit about me. And then of course, there's always my community events that I, I get to engage with as well, uh, which I'm very, very grateful for. That's amazing. You're doing so much in the community, which is so inspiring. So thank you for all of your hard work. Um, so as part of that, though, you're obviously very involved with poetry, you love it. And um, you have recently have a new collection called the Blood Poems. Would you like to share a little bit about that? Maybe, you know, your writing process, what's your favorite part about it? Just overall, just share more about it. Yeah, those are really good questions. Thank you for those questions. So the Blood Poems came out uh, late last year through uh, the University of New Mexico Press, and it's part of a series. And so I was the second poet laureate Poet Laureate of the city of Albuquerque. And uh, currently Mary Oishi is our, our Poet Laureate, but we've had five since the inception of it. Hakeem Bellamy being our first city of Albuquerque Poet Laureate. Anyhow, the Albuquerque Poet Laureate Foundation, uh, the program got together and said, we really want to make sure that we're documenting the work of these poets laureate as you know they are creating work during their tenure so I, I was a poet laureate for two years and so they asked us to put together our collections of work that we either you know created during that time um, maybe that we made public through um, real-time events as the poet laureate which is like an ambassadorial role um, or other things that you are working on so it's a combination of of all of those experiences I had during those two years and then some and so the blood poems, of course, can be found, uh, you know, at, at UNM Press online in the bookstore, but also in local independent bookstores like, like Bookworks on Rio Grande. They also came together to really promote and support the Poets Laureate and our work, because it's so important, right, to, to uplift our writers and our artists in the community, especially when we're writing about our community. And so I was very lucky to have experienced that, especially with this collection. It's my fifth collection. I'm already ready for another collection, girl. So... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that, that pans out this year, but I'm, I'm constantly writing, you know, so you asked me about my writing process. Um, you know, I heard once that, you know, it's necessary to carve out writing, you know, in our very, very busy lives. Some people can get into fellowships or collectives and take the time off. And, um, you know, I hope for that one day, but because I am pretty busy as a mom, I have a daughter in college, a sophomore, at CNM, you know, and as an educator and the work that I do for, for my community, I just write willy nilly and I'm okay with that now. So I might write a poem really late at night or really early in the morning before my first Zoom meeting, or I might scribble scrabble something on a, a napkin if I'm at lunch, you know, and hold on to that thought. Um, I have about like four Google documents going right now in which I'll just go in there and just plug in my thoughts. Some come out fully formed. Um, and there's a poem there. And then I'll go through it and edit it a little bit. Um, or some come out very fragmented, right? Or I'll come up with a title and not go back to that until like maybe a week or two weeks later until it got, you know, it was able to percolate in my mind. Um, and like I said, I'm really informed by my environment. So a lot of it 
is inspired too about not what's going on here locally, but what's going on nationally and even globally. Um, and in general, I write for medicine, for my mental health, but also um, to document what we see is going on in our world, whether that is celebrating joy of our people or documenting uh, those incidences of oppression and inequality. And so that kind of runs the gamut of the way I write and what I write about. Um, and definitely as a feminist disaje, you know, um, a feminist, you know, I definitely write about women's issues. So coming up soon, I'll be uh, facilitating a series of workshops for the ACLU uh, based on my reproductive uh, rights, my reproductive story, um, and the story of my journey with my own personal abortion. And so I'm looking forward to that because it's about destigmatizing shame about access to, you know, our reproductive health um, options and, and our rights and around abortion in general. So that's just like a, just a little bit of a snapshot of, of the way I write, how I write and, and what I write for. Yeah, thank you so much. That's so powerful. And I love you said write for medicine. That's amazing. And it has so much strength in that and really what your work means. Um, so thank you so much. And as you mentioned, you do a lot of work around like feminism and women's rights and their stories. And so, you know, with that being said, you know, International Women's Day is coming up. And so why is it important to you? And really, what does it mean to you and your story? When I think about like International Women's Day, I think about intersectionality, right? And so I know that we are stronger together and through solidarity. Um, we know that at least here in this country, there were different waves of feminism that really excluded women of color. And um, I think that we are all fighting for that not to be so anymore. And so whenever I write, I write through that lens. You know, it can't just be the Western perspective and it can't just be what is touted as this is the history of feminism in this country because we know it's not. Um, we often know that history is skewed and it erases a lot of our of our stories, our people of color and their stories, their their fights, their struggles, their resiliency and and their triumphs. And so for me, it's really important that I write the truth as I see it, but also not necessarily speaking for others, but at least creating spaces in which we can speak together. And so for me, that's what I think, you know, really thinking about like, uh, you know, women or gender identified women, it's inclusive of an intersectionality of diverse uh, voices, including, of course, our LGBTQ and trans um, sisters and relatives. And I identify as queer. I am a queer Chicana. And so that's why it's really important for me to take that bullhorn that is poetry and 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 yell out our stories right and sometimes we could be calm like a bomb we don't necessarily need to even let's say yell even the the words put on page or said aloud through poetry have such rippling effects right and so that's that's what i those are my ideologies around that um and so therefore i do try to create spaces for folks to also write down their thoughts and that's why i'm an educator or why I might facilitate workshops in our communities at large. Absolutely, and you writing so much about it with so much strength, of course, is so liberating for I think all women, including yourself. And that's just, yeah, that's incredible. And so um, with that, you've talked so much about your poetry. Would you like to share anything, um, any of your poems, any of your work? Yeah, sure. I, I have a, a couple, about three actually queued up, but I can do one now. and. 
And then maybe we could platica some more or however you want to move forward. This one's called a pantoum for Brianna. Brianna Taylor, as we know, was shot down by the police in her own home um, while she was sleeping. Um, and uh, I did this project called the Three by Three Project. It was with uh, another poet, the Colorado State Poet Laureate, actually, Bobby Lefebvre, and then um, a photographer who also is my best homegirl, who lives in Denver, Mariah Bottomley. And it was in conjunction with the Colorado Springs Fine Arts Center at Colorado College. But it was connecting artists from New Mexico and artists from Colorado, you know, our sister state, uh, to, to, to create. And so we created a series of ekphrastic poetry. So our photographer friend would go out into her neighborhood. We wanted to honor our hoods. That's exactly what it's called. A, a poetic photographic journey of indigenous and pock medicines that honor our hoods. And we know that our medicine is just right outside our doors or inside our, our house, right at our kitchen table or, you know, hanging out with our family or our neighbors or at the park shooting hoops, you know, the paleta man and, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, going to the farmer's market. So this is where we find our, our, our medicine. But a big part of uh, the photography that, you know, the, that Mariah took was uh, exploring the murals in, in her town in Five Points, Colorado, which is historically a neighborhood of people of color. And she came across a Breonna Taylor, um, uh, mural. And so she sent all the photos to me and Bobby, and we got to sit down with them and meditate on them. And we each wrote poems to these photos. And then you can find them online, like I said, you know, at the Colorado College 3x3 project. So this one is a pantoum, which is a form poem uh, for Brianna. And it's after uh, the writer, Theodore Retke, and uh, who wrote a pantoum. Was she dreaming in the moments before she died? Sleep, heavy memory, pulse of the brain. And if she dreamt, was it of a rocking chair or a swing that swung in the air of her childhood? How in the terror of the battering ram did she wake guns spitting bullets her way and forget a no-knock warrant and forget their mistake, muted rage of fear, ferocity and foul play. And if she dreamt, was it of a rocking chair or a swing that swung in the air of her childhood? Did roses bloom like bullet holes from the body, vermilion and spilling onto the rug? Did she foretell in the dream images of her deep sleep that a violent squall neared her door? Did she wake to sleep? and take her waking slow. Did roses bloom like bullet holes from the body, vermilion and spilling onto the rug, eight shots ringing, 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 thrusting head first into the air, that dark spun night, and the blood and the blood and the blood and the blood and the bright petals of a turning rose. Did she feel her fate and what she feared and did she take her waking slow? Eight shots ringing, 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 thrusting head first into the air, that dark spun night and how I hope her last dream she dreamt was made of light, crystal stairwell to the unknown. And forget that no-knock warrant and forget a suspect and that white man's lament, how I hoped she dreamed of something sweet, something slow, something, something slow. That was remarkable and absolutely gorgeous. Thank you so much for sharing that with all of us. Yeah, gracias. Thank you very much. It was wonderful to work together with other artists. That's, you know, it's one of my favorite things to do is write ekphrastically. I like to challenge myself a lot. So sometimes I might even write persona poems. Um, and uh, Patricia Smith is like the queen diva goddess of all persona poems. She's one of my favorite authors. And, uh, you know, she, she writes through the personas of other folks throughout history, 
um, and or even um, uh, other species. She wrote once through the perspective of a dog who was tied to a tree during Hurricane Katrina and the flood water kept coming and coming. And it was a, it was a brutal poem to read, but it was so necessary to read, right? We can't turn away from that um, because it's the reality of, of you know, uh, our experiences. And so anyhow, I write ekphrastically and I like to write a lot of persona poems because it really challenges me as, as, as a writer. Yeah, I think for you, like, as you said, it brings challenge, but I think for us, it's, it's something unique that we get to hear. And like you said, it can sometimes be hard to hear, but it's needed. And mm -hmm. I think the beautiful thing about poetry, especially like what you just read to us is that like, difficult situations are turned into something so beautiful. And it has this um, deeper meaning when it's just flowed together so well like that. So yeah, um, I can imagine the collaboration for works like that is a fun process, but also difficult. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Yeah, thank you. And you know, right, like, uh, you know, Bobby and, and, and um, um, Mariah live in Denver. So there was a lot of Zooms and a lot of emails and a lot of images sent and drafts and like we would record on our phone and send over like things like that. And somebody would write back, that's dope, you know? So it was a lot of like, we were like pumping each other up and it was so needed because this was like in the middle of the pandemic, right? And so we knew that we really wanted to come together. How do we do it in an innovative way that kept us all safe? And this is how that this is how we were able to, to bring this hybridity of, of the various mediums of art together, but also gente. You know, I wasn't going to see my homegirl, my best friend for a while, or Bobby Lefebvre for that matter, in Blood and Flesh, but we were able to figure it out and still come together and create something I think of great importance together. So that, that meant a lot to all of us. But yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, no, of course. And as you mentioned there, collaboration, I think is a huge part. And you said you're gente, of course. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you being Chicana, I wanna ask you like, what does that mean to you? What do you love about being Chicana? And especially when it comes to being in spaces with other artists or just being perhaps the only Chicana, like, um, let's see, poet in like different spaces. Um, yeah. You know, what do you love about it? What does it mean to you? Oh man, what do I love about it? I'm gonna I'm gonna share this story with you, okay? When I was younger and living in California, and we were living in Long Beach, um, you know, I remember identifying and and still do to some extent Mexican American, right? Mexican American, Mexicana Americana. Um, and then my mom came home one day. I was I must have been like five. I still remember this, and she had a UFW button on her lapel of her shirt, right, of the eagle. And it was uh, the, 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 um, the eagle that represents, you know, the farm workers union and, and fight for their rights and e equality. My, my late grandpa, my mom's father, uh, Leo, was a farm worker out in uh, Bakersville and what they call the fruit basket of the world in California. And so he traveled to go and, and pick fruit, fruta and vegetables. And, you know, late, late, late in his life when he should have already been retired, he was still doing that in Deming, right? You know, so I was so proud that my mom shared that with me and then said, we're going to ban grapes because they're not treating their workers correctly. You know, this certain company at the time, and we're going to not eat grapes. I'm like, 
I'm all about five years old in solidarity with my little fist raised in the air. Me too. They're not treating my, my grandpa correctly and our, and, and our gente. I didn't eat grapes for, I swear, like almost 10 years. <laughs> well, my mom's like, oh, you know, you could eat certain grapes. But, but the idea is that is that's where I learned my history as a Chicana, right? And my mom explained it to me. They didn't teach it in the schools. I didn't have that awareness in my classroom there in, in California or in uh, New Mexico it was something I had to find outside of my public schooling. And I found it through my family and, and their knowledge, you know, and their struggles and their fight for equality. Um, and on, on both sides of my family, my mom was the first person to go to college and graduate. I became the second and my brother, Angel, the third. And it was through that, like uh, her advocating for education for us, knowing who we are and where we come from and knowing about the movimientos, you know, that I came to be very, very, very proud of being a Chicana and I identify as a Chicana. And I know sometimes too, that like all identities, they can be nuanced. Um, and layered. And so, and they can also become, unfortunately, sometimes um, not inclusive, exclusive. So I, I always want to understand too, not only uh, where I come from as far as my indigenous bloodlines, but to really still hold that space and understand um, that as I identify as Chicana, and it's of a certain generation, um, thinking about our undocumented and our mixed status relatives and our Native American relatives, that we have many commonalities and we share a lot of our cultura, but they are distinct unto themselves. And I need to, I always want to be cognizant about that. And I understand that uh, with the being a Chicana, it comes with a certain modernity that is, is representative of, a, of Americana culture. And, and we know why, because of, of the border issues and, and uh, you know, land being taken from you know, um, our relatives in what we now call Mexico, and also the way we have migrated throughout the years. So it, you can say, yes, I'm Chicana, but I know that it packs a wallop as far as like the historical significance of it and how we treat each other, our other relatives of color, especially that of our indigenous and our undocumented relatives. Um, but I'm very, very proud of La Causa. And I'm really proud to see that La Causa is still being uplifted and upheld by, you know, folks who identify as Chicana or Chicano um, and the solidarity that has come with it throughout the years. You know, and I think there's still always a lot of work to be done. Um, but again, that's my own personal trajectory of becoming a five-year-old radical. <laughs> Chicana radical, <laughs> not eating grapes and like, let's go to the protest, you know, like going there with my mom and like, so, uh, you know, and then my family and, and then my community. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. I mean, for me too, I identify as Chicana and you're right, it carries so much with it and like what that actually means for everyone. Yeah. Um, but I think for you, you know, the proudness you hold of being Chicana and that just like I'm here and that proudness of when you walk into spaces in your um, work, it's inspiring for me. And I know other people, you know, our indigenous brothers and sisters, people who we can overall stand in solidarity with, mm -hmm. see that in your work and see that in you and other people who are doing 
work like yours mm -hmm. um it's it's so powerful so yeah thank you so much especially yes. for me, you know identifying as chicana it's amazing to see another chicana really being proud of who she is but yeah little five-year-old radicalist over here <laughs> hey i think all of our star stories start young though so that's amazing yeah it'd be wonderful to collect our stories right those folks who identify as chicana um and and just like how it honors like our our relatives in in general and like our own personal stories maybe that's a project that we can work on <laughs> in the future yeah finding commonalities but also really showing and shining the differences as well so there yeah you go. yeah you are listening to Generation Justice, broadcasting on 89.9 KUNM-FM. This evening, in honor of International Women's Day, we hear from Jessica Helen Lopez. The city of Albuquerque Poet Laureate Emeritus 2014-2016. Now, back to our interviewer, Diana Ramirez. Is there any specific important message that you really want to share tonight? What? What do you want to get across to everyone besides what you've already shared? Oh, thank you. Gracias. Well, you know, I'd like to share another poem. You know, I, I, I enjoy breaking bread with poetry and I feel like, you know, I love our, uh, the platicas are just so important um, to discuss the craft aspect of poetry, the spiritual intent behind a given poem or um, a poet's uh, writing journey, but then also letting the poems speak for themselves. So I'm gonna give this poem some wings and, and here's yet something else that I obviously care deeply, deeply about. You know, and my daughter is in school. My daughter just recently really graduated from high school. I have students that are in public school, uh, school environments and, you know, and the threat of, of shooting and gun violence is very, very real. And so this is another topic that I, I, I especially when I, I think about the work I've got to do or be around the brilliance of the young people for uh, Fight for Your Lives here in, in Albuquerque and the work that they do around like advocating for legislators to, to change um, you know, gun law so it protects our children, protects our people. So uh, this one is based on you know, a real story. I, it wasn't too well ago, I heard, heard yet another, you know, news, uh, you know, a story about a, a school being shot up by, by a youth. And so this is for the boys bumping Kendrick. Loyalty was the word of the day. Fat booty base oozing from their four door Tacoma machine gun black truck, spilling into the sunny autumnal afternoon all over Central Avenue. Their smiles were a collection of 5,000 lumen LED light bulbs bobbing and weaving with a good time. Necks swiveling and every one of them wore their seatbelts like their mamas taught them. Their happy was infectious and I caught it, thumping in the middle of my chest as I saddled my dusty red Jeep Red Wrangler next to their truck on the corner of somewhere. And that place, the traffic light, a big red halting hand telling the world to sit still for at least this moment. I'm an old lady by their standards, but they waved when they saw how I head nodded and mouthed the words, Kung Fu Kenny. Today, the morning news reported four dead bodies. Children shot up by another child while they sat at their desks, pumping out arithmetic and iambic pentameter, or maybe merely they just watched a wistful sun arc across a grease-smeared school window. Board chains propped by hands, eyes that averted the scribbles scrabble of whiteboard, ears that muffled the teacher's drone, or perhaps, 
They thought about college or sex or about how their fathers and mothers can't afford the rent, but mostly they probably just thrummed with the energy of their youth, young brains turning with whatever young thoughts they churned. And then a deep low bass, or was it a rattle of bullets like a snare drum? I can't remember what the reporter reported about what type of gun the boy used to squeeze a shower of lead from and into the soft, surprised bodies of his classmates, but he shot them dead and this afternoon they are still dead and dead forever they will remain crystallized in their youth, never to graduate, get a job, lose a job, fall in love, get divorced, raise a dog, lose a dog, go bankrupt, pay their first marriage, travel to India, seek therapy for their midlife crises, ring in another new year, sing along to their favorite song. Kendrick says, shimmy ah, shimmy ah, shimmy ah, rock. And he says, done been down so long, lost hope. Done came down so hard, I slowed. The boys were bright and alive and happy to breathe, to shine and shout together in unity. Loyalty, loyalty, loyalty. The light turned green and off they drove with a wave and not a care in the world. Cool, as cool teenagers can be, seven off to the golden shovel, probably playing hooky. I was so glad for them, so grateful for their beautiful boyish buoyancy that I almost cried. My chest felt about to burst, spilling open all of my joy out and into the dashboard right there on the corner of somewhere in that place. They drove off with a wave. That was breathtaking. Thank you so much. Oh, yes, yes. There's such a realness to your work, which I appreciate and I know other people can feel. I get goosebumps. It's just, it's amazing. Uh, thank you. Thanks so much. You know, I really, and I still do, I mean, I like to write in the vein of confessionalism. You know, the, one of the very first books of poetry I really read from cover to cover was uh, uh, Sandra Cisneros's book, um, uh, My Wicked, Wicked Ways. And I just fell in love with that book. I was already a sophomore at NMSU at the time because poetry didn't really hold a lot of interest for me in uh, high school. Um, because usually it was always just this like tiny little unit and it was all dead white dudes. And uh, it didn't have anything to, I couldn't relate to anything in it to my life. Now, that doesn't mean that there weren't writers of color, you know, in and, and creating beautiful, breathtaking works of, of poetic art, but I didn't have access to them in, in my school. You know, especially now with book banning still trying to be propagated, it's just so unfortunate and, you know, really, really angers me. And so, Anyhow, when I ran across Sandra Cisneros's book, I was like, man, I feel like this is like brown girl all poured into this book. And it's like me. It was like a mirror. You know, I use that. I use those words like sinvergüenza and chingona. What? You know, like this was like about like, like where I came from. There might be a generational difference between her and I. And she's originally from Chicago and also a family from Mexico. But I, I could relate, you know, and so she wrote that book in a vein of confessionalism, almost like a like a, an entry into her thoughts and her mind, but crafted at a really high level of poeticism. And it just it, it was it became imprinted on my DNA after that. I wanted when I wrote and I did start pursuing poetry a few years after that through the spoken word scene here in Albuquerque. Thank God for the, the, the robust uh, slam poetry and spoken word community here. But um, I, it's, it, it stayed with me 
And then I started taking classes at a collegiate level and reading like Jimmy Santiago Baca, you know, the Mexicans are taking all your jobs, you know, tongue in cheek satire and things like that. I was like, I want to write like this. I want to write from here, the center of me, but I also want to write about the world and how I feel about it, you know, and, and, and Zach de la Rocha of Rage Against the Machine says anger is a gift if you use it wisely. So if you're angry about things, for me as a poet, then I'm going to document that. I'm going to write about it, right? Or I'm going to create spaces for others to do so. We're going to maybe go storm the legislative session, or we're going to be marching down the street, you know, um, on International Women's Day or at, you know, um, uh, reproductive rights rallies. Uh, that's my job as a poet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I think for me too, um, reading Cisneros, of course, The House on Mango Street is like one of her most well-known pieces of work and you know as you said you didn't have access to a lot of you know works of people of color um especially Mm -hmm. Chicana women who were writing Mm -hmm. even that's how it is today you know we do poetry lessons in school and I've only ever seen the old white men and their little pieces of work which is still great but it's not very inclusive or diverse and so you know, reading The House on Mango Street, it's the same sort of situation where you see and you're like, that's, that's how we live. That's me. And it's that relation. And so I know for myself, hearing your work is similar to that assimilation and that like, yes, that's us. That's how I feel. Um, And I know other youth will feel that way too. And it's so important because sadly, there's still not as much um, inclusivity in our literature and in our poetry and in the arts that we see in schools and so I really hope people listen and they see your work and they see other people's work who you know are in that way of confessionalism and are like really just sharing their hearts out because it's so important so thank you um yeah and with that I mean would you like to share any more work I know you said you have a third one go right at it if you would like to Yeah, I have time for for one last poem. And again, thank you so much. And I think what you're doing with Generation Justice as a whole is just like really amazing. And you guys keep fighting the good fight. We we appreciate you all. Um, This is uh, To Be Alive in This City. It's an ode poem to Burke. It is not my first ode poem. And this will probably not be my last ode poem to Burke because we know, I mean, even though I'm not, I wasn't born here in Albuquerque. I wasn't born in New Mexico. I've been here now for 20 years. I've been so embraced by the people that are originally from here and and I'm talking about the ancestral lands too but you know I'm a Burgenia and so as the poet laureate you know I wrote lots of Burgenia poems this one I actually just wrote I don't know a few weeks ago and no maybe maybe a few months ago at this point in time but uh yeah because I felt the need to so this is to be alive in the city for Burgenia of magnetic undercurrents, magenta watermelon spilled light over the valley of salt bush and scrub, wind whip seasonal cruising of the tarmac, jellyfish electric lowriders, Bel Air beauties, hydraulic horsepower of the V8, is to be alive and sucking in an arid cold desert air, lung heat, and surprise party of the springtime wet monsoon, a sudden water dotting the brown earth, is to be alive like an old ocean is alive, ancient shell sleeping volcano pumice of the heart the city says to me and i hear her 
believe in medicina and in the brujeria of the moon, how she vibrates above our thick-skinned skulls, sickle cell, flat white or golden globule. Leave your offering at the altar of the foothill. Take some dirt with you. Wash your feet, forehead, nape, and neck with its grit, sand, and silt. To be in alive in this city means repent, pray, protest, love, sweat, covet the neon greens, black of night, white hot star riddled streakiness, smeared colores de agua, colores de agua, colores de agua of this brawling city, nighttime pusher and dealers, empty pocket bars and eight balls, sacred sex workers and cigarette smashed sueños, hopeful bus rides winding up and around the hip bone of downtown, then off, off, off you go into the North Valley of no snowfall, covet, crawl, crouch, coo. To be alive in this city is to be alone. Alone and bald and naked as the day you were born, swathed in a glowing, sacred, phosphorescent light. Ah, oh, so, 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 so beautiful. Oh my goodness. Yeah, wow. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate this time. Um, you know, with Generation Justice and, and this platica with you. Uh, it's been it's been my my highlight of the day. <laughs> so gracias. Uh, same for me too. Um, so I know other people are probably going to be wanting more and more to read more of your work. So my last question for you is, you know, where can we find more information about you and your work? <laughs> Yeah. Okay, cool. I, I actually wanted to share this. So I did start recently a, a pop-up and it's called Luchadora Used Book Pop-Up. I've had my first pop-up already a couple of weeks ago. I'll be having another one in honor of Jack Kerouac's birthday. And that's in conjunction with um, Maria Erin Jones, uh, who owned the Tanix just there in Parelas. Uh, but she's putting together a, uh, um, a, a type of uh, local vendor's market and then also a poetry reading that night at the Guild, and I'll be participating in both of those. So my idea behind the Luchadora pop-up was that, you know, I really wanna bring books to people. I love talking about books um, and, you know, use books. We need, to, we need to spread the wealth and, you know, it's just a sustainable form of, of sharing information and, and good reads. And so I've been collecting donations by the people of the community of used books, primarily of, of writers of color. And so I also, well, um, I also have my own books. So I have five collections. So those will also be for sale. Now the used books, I don't want to sell anything for more than $5 because sometimes I would be like on my last few dollars and it was either a burrito as a college student or this used book I really wanted to read. And oftentimes I would not even eat the burrito and I would go get a used book instead. But I think that we could still make it more affordable. So everybody has access to it. So if you visit my Facebook page or my Instagram, um, account and and you look up luchadora l u c h a d o r a used used uh, pop up you'll be able to find out where I'll be popping up throughout town the dates the times and that's also where you can come see me and I and if you want a book of my own I will have them available and I'll sign them for you and maybe give you a hug or a handshake or an air hug, whatever the case may be. Um, so that's one way you can do it. And then you can maybe pick up some used books too. Um, another way is to visit UNM Press. If you wanna grab a copy of the blood poems, you can also order it online or go into um, Treasure Bookstore in Old Town or also uh, Bookworks on Rio Grande. 
Um, that's another way to get my latest copy. Um, but I'll have all five of my, my um, books with me for sale whenever I pop up. I've been very lucky to have published with UNM Press recently, of course, but also West End Press um, and uh, Swimming with Elephants publications. So I have, I have five titles. That's awesome. So yeah, everybody who's listening, please go do that. I will probably stop by a pop-up because I love reading. I love the arts. That's a huge part of myself. So yeah, maybe I'll get to stop by and see you. But yeah, I hope others take advantage of that because that's amazing. Um, yeah, thank you, Jessica Helen Lopez for sharing a piece of yourself with us tonight, um, for really being here and being present and giving a piece of yourself to all of us. The work you're doing is so inspiring for, you know, other little Chicana girls like myself who love the arts, who wanna see more poetry, um, but really it's inspiring for everyone. So I hope people look into your work and really feel the radiance that it holds. Um, just speaking with you, you hold such radiance and you speak in a way that has such grace and um, I love it and it's so admirable. So thank you so much for being here. For Generation Justice, I'm Gianna Ramirez. Jessica, thank you so much for your work and for blessing us with some of your powerful poetry. Fue un honor tenerte de vuelta en Generation Justice. Eres una gran inspiración para las jóvenes. Muchas gracias por compartir un pedazo de ti con todos nosotros. Our guest, Jessica Helen Lopez, wanted to share this song with you. Here is I Can't Stand the Rain by Anne Peebles. ¿Cuál es la intersección entre el Día Internacional de la Mujer y la Identidad? How does International Women's Day intersect with identity? 15-year-old Diana Ramirez has put together a commentary on what International Women's Day means to her as a young Chicana. Enjoy. As we approach Women's History Month and International Women's Day, I reflect on my own identity as a woman and a woman of color and what that means. To me, International Women's Day is a time to appreciate what it means to be a woman and to be proud of that identity. We must take this day to recognize the leadership and the resilience of so many women who have gotten us to where we are today. I look at my own family and feel extra gratitude for the women of my life who have taught me to be proud of my identity and have passed their resilience to me. I also appreciate this time for its recognition of intersectionality. We women must come together and be strong in our identities. We must also appreciate each of our own stories because that's what creates our identities. International Women's Day is a reminder of the accomplishments and strength of women. Our ancestors and women leaders have fought for our liberation. So we must continue to fight for what we believe in. Reflecting upon my own identity, I feel being Chicana means being empowered by what that identity means. When I think of being Chicana, I think of my community and my family and how that has created the person I am today. Being proud of that identity makes me feel empowered to be an even stronger leader and to really fight for my community and the things I believe in. Loving being a woman and a woman of color is radical. 
And that in itself is so important. This is a time to celebrate our diversity. It is to feel proud of who we are as women in a world where oppression continues to happen. We must all continue to fight and remember that the beauty and the strength of women across the world is not only for a day. Our history is not to be celebrated for only a month. We must carry pride and appreciation for the women of both our past and our present all year round. We are leaders, so let our power continue as we celebrate a day and a month focused on all that we are. Diana, thank you so much for sharing your beautiful commentary. The part where you mentioned that our ancestors and women leaders have fought for our liberation was very empowering. And thank you for sharing part of your identity as a Chicana. Muchas gracias. Now we bring you the feminist song Antipatriarca by Chilean artist Ana Tiju. We are still in the midst of a deadly global pandemic. We need to work together to protect each other. Booster shots are available to all eligible New Mexico residents 12 years and older. If you haven't gotten vaccinated or if you need to get your booster shot, you can visit cvvaccine.nmhealth.org. Again, that's cvvaccine.nmhealth.org. Testing is essential to prevent the spread of COVID-19 and variants like Omicron. You can order at-home COVID-19 tests by visiting usps.com. Fill out your contact and shipping information to place an order. Remember, there is a limit of one order per residential address. One order includes four individual rapid antigen tests. If you need to get a PCR COVID-19 test, you can schedule an appointment at curative.com. Again, that's curative.com. According to the CDC, masks can help protect you and others from COVID-19. To learn more about different types of masks and how to get the best fit for you, visit cdc.gov. That's cdc.gov. Don't forget to get your COVID-19 vaccines, get boosted, mask up, and follow safety protocols to help stop the deadly global pandemic. We hope you've enjoyed this hour of poetry and community. We'd like to thank our guests, Jessica Helen Lopez and our brilliant interviewer, 15-year-old Diana Ramirez. Tonight's hour of radio was produced by Roberta Rael with production assistance from myself, Barbara Ramirez, and Angel Baker Guillén. Thank you to our social media manager, Madumita Santana. We want to give a big shout out to all of our youth producers. We could not do what we do without you. 
Generation Justice would also like to thank KUNM for bringing the voices of young people to you, KUNM listeners. Our website is generationjustice.org, where you can check out all of our multimedia work and listen to our podcasts, which are also available on SoundCloud, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We are also active on social media. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and follow our playlist on Spotify. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation with additional funding from the Conalma Health Foundation and the Annie E. Casey Foundation. And of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking Donate. Our opening song is Youth of the Nation by P.O.D. Our last songs of the night include Mujeres by Julieta Venegas. I'm Barbara Ramirez. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word, so stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Buenas noches y feliz Día Internacional de la Mujer.